The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Mahai, welcome back to Sharing Our Stories. My name is Slim, along with Tomas Hernandez, and Sharing Our Stories coming to you live from the 5280 Podcast Studio, brought to you by the Merge Media Academy. And uh, if you're tuning in for the first time here, if you're not watching us on our social media Facebook page, uh, Sharing Our Stories is a program about addiction and recovery, and we bring in guests to talk about um, their struggles with addiction, but most importantly, how they find their recovery and where they are in their lives now. So we have a great guest uh, sitting beside us. Her, her name is Danae Garcia from Thornton, T-town. or as she said it, what did she call it, Tomas? <laughs> T-Town. T-Town. Yeah. That which we <laughs> Joshua Wapo, you're from T Town now, bro. Which people in Thornton right now in Colorado are going, no, not T Town. They're proud right now. They are not proud. They are not proud. They're not proud. So we're gonna be turning it over to Danae here in just a moment to take over as our guest for sharing our stories. I want to thank Nani, our producer. For being here also dan chavez our producer uh that you do not see um thank you for all you your see him see how i look he's just a younger version of me he yeah. does look like a younger dan looks like a younger version of tomas not nani dan <laughs> <laughs> nani looks like nani not like tomas i'm gonna put a, i'm gonna make a fat head and i'm gonna just put it right behind me on the live show everybody that's listening of, of of yourself of Dan. Of Dan. Oh, of Dan. Okay. Yeah. Should we just bring Dan on to the the camera real quick and let everybody see his charming face? Would that be better for you? He's Dan, like, come on. Come come say hi. <laughs> say hi real quick. <laughs> hey everybody. Here's Dan. This is I'm Dan. The long lost son. <laughs> that is Tomas's long lost son. Um <laughs> In all seriousness, though, we do this program with the hopes that we can help somebody uh, in their addiction uh, find their pathway to their recovery, or if you're a family member or a friend of somebody suffering, maybe you can understand them a little bit more, or help them and support them in their recovery. Uh, Tomas runs an amazing organization that's the sponsor of this program, and that is Tribe Recovery Homes. Uh, Tomas, how are things going at Tribe, man? Everything's going great. Um, We have... uh we're, we're in a, a big, huge growth in organizational shift. So what that means is opportunity, and we did well to, to, to get to that point, like our producer. Nani is also our uh, business development professional at, at Tribe, and she's busy, busy, busy 24-7, and she's got a lot of weight on her shoulders with a great attitude. By the way, five years clean and sober. That's amazing. Not year five? five. Thank you. Five yes. years. Five yes. years. Sweet. Five years. <laughs> five years and working for Tribe Recovery Homes. That's got to feel so good. It does. It feels great. Thank you. you. Know, being in your recovery and giving back. Yes. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And very thank much. you for the for the work you do for us here too. Thank you. Um, Nani does our scheduling. She lets our guests know about how we're going to torture them. Uh, <laughs> and, no, um, she she gives it to us softly. Yes, she does. <laughs> you come to you guys. She gets your hopes up and then finds out I'm in Las Vegas and then you got to reschedule. <laughs> we do it every Tuesday and then calls you Thursday. <laughs> thank you for uh, by the way, uh, Danae. Thank you for rescheduling with us, um, Tomas. How many people do you currently have in the home at Tribe that you're you're helping with? Their sobriety um we have over a hundred we're in a couple of shifts we're usually uh stabilize about 130 130 150 um we've uh we're redesigning some homes so, so kind of we've scaled down for a second we're always over a hundred but these are treatment centers and step down model all the way to sober living so when everybody sees tribe recovery homes they feel like it's just sober living you know we've uh, evolved mental health um addiction um reentry medicaid um Grants, scholarships, you name it. You get in trouble, you do drugs, you drink too much, and you get a ticket, you come to us. Nice. Um, And you have space for people right now. We do. Actually, right now, I'll just announce it. We have 18 scholarship beds for males and females. 18 of them. So if you're listening right now, 18 beds that I can put you in, male, female. I can put all 18 males in. I can put all 18 females in. 
Let's I go. got spots for 18. Yeah, yeah. So we so just got some funding this morning. Member, All we got to do somebody. is set up your Medicaid, get those 18, get that done. Um, now I just announced it. I'm going to put it back on Facebook. It's going to go fast. So let's go. Um, but I'm willing to work with you if the need is there. So don't be disappointed if they're gone. We do not try to shut doors on anybody. If it's not us, we will work with a community partner. And if you want it bad enough and we can feel that and you come in and, and you follow through, uh, most likely we'll figure out how we can do a hardship with you or figure out something. But uh, yeah, like I said, those 18 go pretty quick, but do not stop. Don't let that stop you. If you say, hey, there's no more scholarship beds. If you want it bad enough, we're not gonna leave you out to dry. Our guest today is Danae Garcia from T-Town <laughs> from Thornton. <clears throat> from Thornton. And I've been friends with Danae on, on social media for a long time. I know you also have Tomas, and you know her mom. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know the whole family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like the only Raiders fan in the sea of Broncos. Like, there used to be this little house that uh, one of the cousins, Tony. Tony. Yeah, Tony had this house, like, on, on uh, sev- yeah, 17th and Julian, huh? Yeah, walking was, distance from, stumbling distance. Yeah, like, <laughs> stumbling yeah, like they had, the they had bullhorns and everything. Like, it was Bronco town. And I walk in, and the first thing her mom does is, like, you must be a nice man, but F the Raiders. You know what I mean? You know, you know the first thing. But she's she's great family, the Medina family. Ray, his brother, his, his mom and dad, everybody out there. Um, the Medina family is is actually is one of the true reasons um, that I feel good about getting clean and sober because Ray was one of my biggest support systems and, and a really close friend of mine and still a really close friend of mine through my sobriety, my early sobriety. And it felt good to be able to go into, into the places where I grew up, in the places where I was around the same people, and be safe. You know, and that's where I met uh, old girl from T-Town. <laughs> um, <laughs> Came and, across a true thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, she was, uh, and you know, she finally found her way. So, you know, with family, love, and support, even in the environments that people would typically say stereotypical, you know, Rocky Mountain Chicano, Chicana atmosphere federal west side north side people you know let me say north side more hyphened up because that's a medina family they'll kill me if i don't no that's highlands yeah the know, highlands that's the highlands now <laughs> you know but anyway <laughs> with that being said it's like you know it's um it's a beautiful thing to have her to have Nah here and uh boom um yeah i can't say enough about you know being able to to serve the community and to have Danae here on on the show um Recovery works. Yeah. Um, I've seen Danae at her worst. And to see her today, it's day and night. And it's, and it's amazing. Thank Truly you. is my friend. Thank you. Uh, I've been following Danae and her recovery on social media for a long time. And I've seen her make some of the most amazing posts over the time that you've been in your recovery. And I've, I've found them to be very inspirational. So I've been excited to uh, have you come in and speak, and it's something that I've wanted to do for quite some time. So thank um, you. With, you know, let's waste no further time and uh, pass it on to you. Our guest for sharing our stories today is Danae Garcia from T-Town. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Danae Garcia. Um, I am currently three years sober, a little over three years. Thank you. Um, I, was, I was an alcoholic. Or since I was about 19, I'm 34 now. Um, and I just went through it all. I went, like, I don't know where to start. Like, I, so it all started because I, I'm a very closed off person. So I like to keep things to myself, my emotions and my, my personal problems. And so to me, it was just like an easier way to, to drink and kind of just like forget about the bullshit or just kind of put on that that strong front, you know, like that, no, like nothing bothered me. And then even if did, things did bother me, it was just more of like blame it on the alcohol and I had an excuse. Um, and I was just, it just led to more. I, you know, I would get in my feelings or I would not know how to control my emotions. And my first reaction was to just drink. You know, I didn't know how to how to deal with certain things or certain feelings or certain emotions. And um, 
alcohol was my escape. Started off as something fun and something, you know, social. But then it ended up being something that I relied on a lot. And I just did by myself. I just started getting to the point to where I didn't even like who I started becoming. So it was just easier to just drink by myself. And then I was always just in and out of jail. You know, I um, got DUIs, got a few domestics. <laughs> you know, that T-Town came out. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, got a few domestics. Um, felony. And I was always just, in, I'm, I, I'm a, I was a single mom at the time. And so the whole in and out of jail thing obviously became old, but it was just something that came with the drinking. I would drink and break out in handcuffs all the time. And so, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things where it didn't become fun anymore. I was always, I was the life of the party. My house was like the party house. People would come to my house. I was always, you know, my door was always open to anybody who wanted to drink, party, whatever. And maybe about 90% of those people are no longer part of my life. You know, they were part of my, I'm not saying my downfall because I have nobody to blame but myself. But a lot of people that did see me spiraling or that did see me going down the wrong path didn't really care enough to be like, hey, you're fuck or you're messing up, you know? They were just like, kind of just sat back and watched and was kind of for their entertainment, I guess, because it was just, I was just a fun time, you know? And nobody else was down to drink, Danae was. And so they knew I was struggling. They knew I was, you know, always in and out of jail. They knew I was, I had to stop, but nobody, I had a few friends that were just like, you know, we can't hang out with you if you're drinking or we don't want to be around you if you're drinking. And of course at the time I took it like, well, F you guys then. Like I'm a fun time, like you're lost. <laughs> and then I realized like I wasn't a fun time. I was a mess. I was mean. I was aggressive. I was hateful. And it's not who I am at all. So I realized, you know, like some people that remove themselves from my life did it for what was best for me. And um, so, yeah, I've even tried moving out of state. I went to detox, rehab, jail, classes. I did inpatient, outpatient, everything. And then... I finally went to church. <laughs> and I think that was like the, the first time in my life that I felt like I was going to be okay. Because I was um, drinking all the time. My sister actually went to church and she was like, wanted me to go with her. Wasn't a fan of it because like I said, I was already down the wrong path. I didn't want to go to church hungover, drunk, or smelling like alcohol. But I'm the type to also not let my sister be by herself. So I was like, if it, I'll just go with you. And I went with her and that was like the first time I actually was able to cry and like just let it out and just be like, just feel like some sort of like lift, like weight lifted off of me. And took a few months after that, but eventually I realized like I, I do have the strength to, do, to get through it and to finish, not to finish, but to start stronger and, you know, start over. And so... One day I just went and got got like a whole sleeve of shooters and a bottle of vodka and drank till I passed out. And that was it. Woke up with two shooters left. I still have those two shooters to like this day. And I was done. But it took a lot to get there. You know, I, I definitely ruined a lot of relationships along the way. I um, hurt a lot of people that I didn't mean, to, I didn't ever want to hurt. And... I guess it just kind of like humbles me now because even when I do want to drink or even when I do feel like overwhelmed, like I know, like I know why I'm doing it. And I know that when I was drinking, it was somebody that I don't ever want to be again. And so regardless of how bad things feel or how bad things do get, like I know that they were worse 
And I know that no matter what, like it's tomorrow's going to be a new day. And so it's an everyday struggle, definitely, especially, you know, I was telling my mom the other day because she's like, how do you how do you like encourage people to stop? Like, how do you tell them to stop? But I'm like, you can't tell like the sun to not come up. You can't tell, you know, any anything can trigger an alcoholic or anything can trigger an addict. You know, it's sunny outside. And I'm like, you like a beer on the patio sounds freaking great right now. Or, you know, like anybody's birthday or promotion, anything. It's just like, let's go, you know, let's go have a drink or let's go do this. Let's go do that. And it's, I've noticed it's difficult too, because, you know, when you do go out or when I do try to hang out with people and they're like, well, why don't you drink? I'm like, well, why don't you do meth? Like, mind your business. (laughs) I don't think it's like, you know, it doesn't matter why. Like, I don't ask why you don't do meth. I don't ask, you know, I don't ask why you don't do certain things, but it's like, it's always one of those things where, it's it's surprising to a lot of people that <laughs> that you don't drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, I feel like at first I was very um, embarrassed of like my story because, like I said, I'm a, I've always put myself out there to be like a strong person that you know had control over myself, that had control over situations, and that was able to to get myself out of whatever until I until I started my addiction. Then it was one of those things where I just, I didn't know. Like I didn't know even if I was gonna make it out because there were some days where my addiction felt so strong that it was just, felt like it was just easier to give up. And you know, it just got to the point to where I felt like I wasn't the mom that my kids deserved and I wasn't, I just wasn't a good person. And so it was just like I felt like a burden to a lot of people. And so, you know, like now, of course, thinking of like not wanting to be here, it feels selfish. But at the time, being here felt selfish because my family didn't deserve like everything that I put them through. But that's what keeps me like on the straight and narrow, I guess, is because I don't want to put them through it again. But then again, like the guilt and everything on a daily basis, it does get to me, which is something that I kind of have to learn how to to forgive myself for. My grandma always tells me, if God can forgive us on a daily basis, then we need to forgive ourselves. But it's, it's easier said than done. So getting through it though. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, I just, my last drink, I actually uh, woke up in, in booking and had no idea why I was there or what happened. I just remember I was pretty messed up. It was about, I think they said it was three cops and three paramedics that I, I ended up fighting. And so I got charged with a felony, second degree assault. And then they started bringing my kids into it. And, you know, I was a single mom. So they started involving my kids, involving the state. And it was just one of those things where I wasn't going to lose my kids. I wasn't going to lose. You know, I already lost myself, but I was never going to give up on my kids. And so I just had to make a choice. And... My my dad's actually an alcoholic, so it's kind of like bittersweet in a way because I'm 34 years old and he still is not able to get sober. And sometimes I wonder like why, and I don't want my kids to grow up and be like, why couldn't she do it? Or why didn't she do it for us? And so I just want them to know like, you know, it is for them, obviously for me too, but... Like I said, I'm 34 years old, and the fact that my dad still can't do it, it hurts me, and I don't want my kids to grow up and kind of question or, like, feel the same way towards me. And so it hurts, but like I said, it's, like, bittersweet because I'm able to kind of deal with what he's putting me through, but at the same time know that it's something that I don't want to put my kids through. So I just all I do, I can do is pray for him try to help him I tell him like how much you know like when I do reach my milestones or whatever he doesn't really 
acknowledge it. I don't know if it's because he wants to or he just doesn't want to fake like to realize that he can't. But just yeah, just one of those things where I had to it took a lot of jail and rehab and detox and you know, fighting with family and losing relationships to realize that it's not the path that I wanted to go down. And so I had to change. And now I, um, people knew me as Debo back in my party days. And now, <laughs> Debo, Debo from T-Town. <laughs> and, and that's because you like to fight when you were drinking? Yeah. Okay. Ryan, Ray, remember, Debo from T-Town. He's coming to the Bronco game this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I used to fight a lot. I was feisty, and um, yeah, they called me Debo, and so I was just always fighting, always in trouble, always doing something, and I just couldn't anymore. Like I'm realized I'm just—I mean, I'm not old, but too old to be going to jail, or too old to be fighting, and too old to be you know making an ass out of myself. So, just had to get my head out of my ass and sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, you're fine. You're fine. And you know, just do what I had to do. So now I, like I said, people knew me as Debo back then. So when they ask me like what I'm doing now, and I tell them like I work with my children with the children's ministry at my church, and you know, I read scriptures and I'm part of like my prayer team, and. <laughs> You know, stuff like that. They're Tomas like, likes to give you a hard time. I'm taking it about the church. <laughs> because you um, keep looking at him <laughs> and laughing. Every time you bring up church, you're like, Tomas, don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, he thinks I'm going to try to be a nun one day. But <laughs> That would be a hell of a recovery. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just for the record, everybody. I do love God. I do love Jesus. He knows exactly what kind of pain in the butt I am. And he has to work overtime every day just to forgive me. But still at the same time, my path is different than everybody's path. And, you know, the, you know I do believe God is not only one uh, dog and pony show. He's wrote many books, you know, and he's done a good job. But I love giving Christians a lot of hell. Leave us alone. Just leave us alone. It's a passive aggressive Eva, but how situation. Christian are you? Just leave us alone. <laughs> uh, Danae, congratulations on your sobriety. Thank you. Um, when you go back to, I guess when you're 31 mm -hmm. and you're, you're still drinking and you're deciding, all right, I'm going to do this. I've tried before. I tried all these other ways. Nothing's working. I've gone to church. I'm feeling something. I'm going to do this. What was those first few weeks like in your recovery? It was hell. It was hard. It was very difficult. It was one of those things where I was like, what the heck am I thinking? Like, you know, like I, who am I doing it for? What am I doing it for? Like everybody already knows what I'm about. Everybody already is like disappointed in me. And, you know, it's kind of just been like, that's her. So like, why, why change now? You know? But it was also one of those things where, like I said, I've always been the type to stay to myself. And I'm always the type to, like, I'm, all, I, I'm an underdog type of person. And so the more, like, everybody was just kind of like, forget it. Like, that's, that's her. Let her do her thing, whatever. That's her. And, it, you know, the more I talked about, like, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. I was like, yeah, right, whatever. Because I said it so many times and never did it. So finally, I was just like, I'm not even going to say anything. I'm not going to, you know, tell anyone. I'm just going to do it because I don't need anybody in my ear. I don't need anybody telling me what I should or shouldn't do. It was just one of those things where I know what I have to do. I think that's yeah. dope because like, I had to tell everybody. I needed accountability. <laughs> yeah, like, like I couldn't keep it a secret. I had to tell <laughs> folks, otherwise my secret was gonna be, I'm drinking when you don't know. Yeah. He you told know? everybody on the air, like straight up his boss, everybody just on the show. Not like this show, this is, this is the very paid for show like, that everybody <laughs> listens to. No, I, I did it on the without permission. Hey, boss, you have no idea that your afternoon guy is an alcoholic. But hey, look over here. I got a drinking problem. I'm going to tell everybody on your airwaves that is. But I needed accountability. You yeah. know? So I think that's Courage. so incredible that 
you were like, I'm holding myself accountable. I ain't going to tell anybody. I'm going to do this, and you're not going to doubt me. You're not going to point a finger at me. Only person that can do that is myself, which isn't easy. Because like I said, it, it's very easy for you at that point to be like, nobody knows I quit. So you nobody know what? Nobody knows if I drink again. <laughs> nobody knows. Exactly. So nobody knows if I'm drinking. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and then you start to, I, I tell people, you, when you try to do it like that, you start to lie to yourself to be like, oh, I can control this, mm-hmm. you know? And it's the reason why I don't drink now is I tell myself now, oh, yeah, I would love to have a, a drink 4th of July, you know, and enjoy a beer with friends at the barbecue. Problem is, that's not going to be one beer. It, it might be one beer at the barbecue, but the next exactly. day, it's going to be two. And the third day, it's going to be three. And I did it. I a did week, a cool. Yeah. It's every day, and I'm back to the same place. There, there is no... Oh man, I got control of this now. Look, I was sober for almost seven years, so I can definitely have a beer here or there. Look how great I am. That's that's not in my that's not in my story. Yeah, with addicts, there's no gray areas. No. It's, and do, do you ever see that for yourself? Are you are you somebody who says, "Hey, you know what? One day I'll be able to do this again." No. 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 I feel like I'm one of those go hard or go home mm-hmm. type of broads. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's just one of like, I feel like. As hard as it was to get myself out of it the first time, it's going to be 10 times harder to get myself out of it again. Mm-hmm. And I don't want, it scares me. Mm-hmm. It scares me thinking of not being able to control myself, not being able to control just me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a grown ass woman. Like, why can't I just be like, no, I'm good. Like, you know, back then it was, I was, the, I was the one, you know, people would come up to me randomly like, you have a shot. I'd be like, right. <laughs> you know, like, and I'd supplier. have one. Yeah. yeah. And I'd have one. But now, you know, I can't, I'm like, I can't. I can't do it because you, you said it pretty clearly when you said, uh, how are you going to tell somebody that the sun's not going to rise? That's addiction. That's addiction. That's uh, that's alcoholism. To me, it's all the same addiction as, you know, alcohol is a liquid drug. You know, there's many pathways of recovery, but what I was taught is alcohol is a liquid drug. Um, you can't, you know, can't shine a bag of, uh, of, uh, and put a bow tie on it and call it something else, you know? Um, but uh, with that being said, you know, when you tell somebody that the sun is not going to shine tomorrow, you're going to try to drink as much as you can and drug as much as you can. And that's what your mind says all the time, all the time. And, it's, and what's crazy about addiction is also at the same time, you don't need that bag and bottle to still act in the same manner. So, you know, as I give her and we've been great friends for years and waved to Ryan because he's giving you big props on. Love you, Ryan. Yeah, he's he's right there. He's uh, gave you big big hearts of love, uh, Ryan. Love you too, brother. He's a good man right there. But um, you know that's that's a big triumph to see that crowd. Yeah, seeing you where you're at right now, um, that's family. Um, but where I was going was, is I might give Christians a lot of passive aggressive comments, but I'm still on the same path of God. And what I wanted to ask you was, is uh. What does a higher power and recovery mean to you? What, is that, what does that look like for somebody that really is a Christian faith that really feels that it's, it's about church and they can't get it? Because there's a lot of people out there that just, they go to church and they just do regular church. How do you make recovery work at church? How does that work? You know, because that is the, the major question because it's not what I've seen is many people call me and say, man, I go to church on Sunday. I go to church on Wednesday. I do this, I do that, but I just can't stay sober. I just can't stay clean. What's going on? What's happening? Tell the listeners, how, how, do, you, how do you do that? What, what, what makes you different and, or about your recovery path that you can stay an avid member of, of, your, of your faith in your church and be that involved and stay sober in that environment? Um, so I do help a lot of people with sobriety at my church. So if they are battling with addiction or whatever, they do reach out to me. And I'm not saying I, I use them, but, you know, hearing... Talking to them and hearing their struggles definitely humbles me and, you know, reminds me of where I once was and remember, it reminds me of how I once felt. But it also reminds me, like when I go to church, it also reminds me that as much times as I tried taking my own life and as much times as I wanted to give up, God didn't let me. And there's a lot of people that don't get a second chance, that don't get to wake up in the morning or that don't even get a chance to sit here and talk about their story. You know, some people don't make it through recovery or some people just don't want to. And I feel like every day I wake up, it's just a blessing because 
I know that regardless of anything, like regardless of how bad things get, tomorrow is a new day and it's going to be okay. I just have to, you know, it's, I can't stress over what I can't control and, you know, just got to pray on it and have faith and whatever happens, happens. Like in the way I look at it, I don't know, you know, it's not karma, whatever, but when bad things happen to me, I'm like, I must have done something to deserve that. So it's like, you know, crossed off my list, like on to the next. <laughs> but I don't look at things happening to me anymore. It's like happening for me. Okay. It's and the- rather than being like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? Or, oh my gosh, like my life, this and that, it sucks. I step back and think of like, so, it was way worse. So what I'm hearing is perspective. Definitely faith, keeping faith in perspective and helping the next person plan it forward. Yes. In your recovery uh, involved in church. You are the person they could come to if they're, if they're, instead of asking for a shot, they're asking for hope. Yes. And you can sit down with them and you have good listening skills to, to, to play forward. And, and everybody listening, that's really truly what it's about. You can't keep what you don't give away. That's the main ingredient. If you think you're going to keep it all yourself but, and not give it away, well, you got another thing coming because it's just, that's just not the way that the, the evolution of, of recovery and the, the, the the spinning door, revolving door works. You have to be able to help the next person. The day I forget that is the day I could be that close to using again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that for me, just like you, scares me to death. I tell my wife, I tell my family, I tell everybody, I can't stop helping people. I have no choice. To keep what I have, I have to give it away. There's no way that I could just go and try to be normal. And that's what I tell my husband too. Like, you know, I feel like I was even talking to my mom this morning that she was just saying, you know, like at the time I didn't realize why I was going through what I was going through. It was just like so hard for me, so lonely, so just stressful. Just one of those things where I couldn't, felt like I couldn't get through. But she said, you know, God knew that you had the heart and you have, you know, the gift, you know, the want or the need to help people. So, you know, I got through, like, I feel like, you know, I went through what I went through and I got through what I got through because I do want to help people and I do want my story to reach others and I do want people to see that there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to, you know, just love yourself and just give yourself that chance and just, just believe in yourself. Some people just feel like they don't deserve it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like we all do, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of what we've done, regardless of what we haven't done. I feel like we all deserve happiness and we all deserve to just love ourselves. And correct me if I'm wrong. And and that's like the experience you went with your sister, correct? When you, when you finally broke down to, to your higher power to God and that's the perspective that you gained through, through your pathway or is, was it just something that you just knew that was the, the way to go? I think it was just for like the first time I felt like just like at ease. Like my whole life was just always like I felt like felt like a freaking crackhead sometimes, you know, always just like wanting like where's my next shot? Like just <laughs> wanting to leave, like, you know, when is church gonna be over so I can go to the liquor store? You know, just constantly like, oh my gosh, like I don't wanna be around anybody, I don't have a shot. But when I finally went to church, it was just like a breath of fresh air, like I you know, like I'm okay. And so to me, like, that's where, because like I said, I've done classes, inpatient, outpatient, detox, jail, did it all. And nothing, I'm like, okay, jail, I'll pay the fine, come back in a couple months. You know, it is what it is. But with church, like, I finally had people that genuinely cared and genuinely wanted to see the best in me. So I'm sure Slim and, and, and Nani have some questions. One of my last questions is this, um, and I'll say one of them because I always come up with another. This is the way I am. But uh, what 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 um I'd like to know is is say say like me I'm I'm very 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 much me when it comes to church and, and that and you know on a further show five shows I could probably explain to you my pathways that would, people would be like oh my god what are you thinking but I'm an addict in recovery and that's mine you know what I mean but what I'm saying is this is when you say I went into church I wasn't sure about God. I needed to get sober. I was just like you. It was shot from shot. And say you're not available. Who is, what is the Danae situation in a, Christ, in a Christian church that you've known 
from being so involved in, in churches that a person can find help? Is it celebrate recovery? Is it what what would you suggest for somebody that just walks in the church and says, hey, I have a drinking problem, you know, and from what I'm hearing is there was no really set program for you when you went in there. You just went on, on blind faith mm-hmm. and surrender. Um, what does that look like? How, how, how would I achieve something like that? I just got done drinking this morning. I passed out all afternoon and I ended up breath stinking, headache, hungover, full of guilt, sitting in a pew looking for hope. Um, I say, I think people just need to be honest. A lot of people try, try to downplay their addiction or try to downplay how they act or certain situations when they are in their addiction. And cause I know firsthand, you know, I used to be like, go to the doctor and they do drink. Yeah. Here and there, you know, a couple shots here and there, no big deal. You know, like I'm a healthy drinker, whatever that is. But you know, I just feel like they just, people just need to be honest, you know, just be straight up and just like, just be open with what you need. Like you can't help somebody who doesn't want to help themselves and they just have to be open and willing to accept whatever help they can get. And, Mm-hmm. And you know, and uh, I wasn't trying to act like I've never been in the church. I mean, my, parents, no, I, my, dad's, <laughs> my dad's Knights of Columbus. My mom was a Lady of the Auxiliary. I mean, there's well, I don't know. Holy, you're a Raiders fan. There's Who a, knows? There's a holy one. Yeah, church burns down when you walk into hey, it. Church is across hey, the street. Hey, hey, now I'm a dual dual resident type of thing. I got Las Vegas. God I don't love Denver. the Raiders. God loves the Raiders. Um, you not know how many love the Raiders? Oh, I'm not going to go there. Go there. Bronco Decade. fans, for the sake of the Broncos and the Nuggets winning. Congratulations. I didn't get to tell anybody because I was sitting in the Monte Cristo at Caesars when I seen it. Eating a steak. Well, I was smoking a cigar, <laughs> but it was a great thing to watch. Congratulations to our, our hometown. The Nuggets actually doing that. It was amazing. Amazing. You better watch. say it with that hat on. Yeah, man. I mean, just because I'm a Raiders fan, it doesn't mean I don't like any other team that's in Colorado. I just don't like y'all's team. Well, we don't like your team. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to your church. You know, your team drives people. I'm not going people. to my church. Your, your team, <laughs> I don't have a church. Your team drives people to drink. Man, yeah, or because fire. we've been beating you for three Those, years that's straight. That's where domestics all, all come we've from. We've been beating you for three years straight. That's why you're drinking so much. Uh, Son, are you Mom, don't listen. Donnie? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so you, when we had talked earlier, you had talked a little bit about um, being of service and um, giving back. And so something that I just wanted to see if you could share about is uh, some of the service that you do about going into institutions and just being a part of the community there and what that experience is like. And um, so yeah, I guess I, I guess you can say I kind of like sponsor a few people. Um, you know, I just I talk to them. I feel like with addiction, it's more of some people just needing somebody to talk to and just needing somebody to listen because it's all like as an adult and as, you know, a person with common sense, you know what you need to do. You know what you have to do. You know what you should do. But it's one of those things where your addiction takes over and you can't. And so sometimes people just need. So I, you know, I do volunteer. I do talk to people. I do go to different places and kind of tell my story. And sometimes people just need to just be heard. Because like I said, you know, as it's easy for somebody who's never dealt with addiction to just be like, well, just stop or just don't do it. You know, just if you if you don't want to do it, then don't. It's easier said than done. But when you actually talk to somebody who's been through addiction, I feel like, you know, like with him, I feel like I can't stop helping people because it does humble me. And it does like I know how it feels to be to feel alone or to feel like nobody understands or to feel like everybody's given up on you. You know, and it's it's not a good feeling, and I don't want I don't want anybody else to feel like that. And if I can help somebody, or if I could just be that person to you know for them to talk to for twenty minutes and just cry it out, then that's fine. But sometimes I feel like that's just that's just what you need, just somebody to listen to you, not tell you what you need or you know, what you need to do. And it's usually a complete stranger. It's crazy about that because we've all looked right dead at the people that we love so much, and they're done. Mm-hmm. They can't help us. No we've worn them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, we've just, you wear them out and they don't understand quite often what it is that we're going through as, as an addict and you wear them out and they're just like, I don't know what to do for you. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where if you, you know, you can't help somebody who doesn't want to help themselves, you know, you mm-hmm. can't control or you can't stress over what mm-hmm. you can't control. Like if I, you don't want to help yourself, I can't help you. That's like all the different 
programs that you went through leading up to when you decided, I want to help myself. Yeah. You know, and then it was on your own, church mm-hmm. and on your own. Yeah. You did that. And it's difficult when people ask me because, you know, everybody has their own way of coping with things. So when people ask me, like, how did you get sober? Just don't go to the liquor store. You know, there are people that I had to cut off and it's nothing personal. It's just that we had too much fun together. Like, I can't be around you because you're just bringing out the, you know, let's take a shot type of Danae in me. And I don't want, I don't want that. So it's nothing that, it's nothing personal. It's just Mm -hmm. take it as a compliment. You know, we have too much fun together. Do you have those friends who you used to have too much fun with together who have now followed you into a recovery? Yeah, I have a few friends that I've drank with. You know, there's a few that I've even talked to for years and they'll just message me and be like, I need help. You know, like, what do I do? And you know, it's just one of those things. And I feel like I'm, maybe I'm a little too persistent, but I'm the type to, you know, like if I haven't talked to him in a couple of days, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Like, you know, what's going on? Like, you know, and they're just like. You're an angel. That's, <laughs> that's being an angel for someone. Thank you. But yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. Like I said, you know, it's just the little things, you know, just feeling like somebody actually still cares or somebody has actually not given up yet or somebody still sees some good in you. And like you said, it's usually a stranger because, you know, your family has seen you at your worst. They've seen you at your best. And they're just like, this isn't the person I know. This isn't the person I want to be around. And they're just like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But from a complete stranger, they're just like, what do you but need? But also, <laughs> like, sometimes that stranger's been there. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, I think that, that that's a, a common denominator is that stranger has been there. And so they understand what you're going Absolutely. through. and. Yeah. And want to be that person for you. Mm -hmm. And that's the key point. You know, even like my father, my mother, she went through every emotion on earth and she she doesn't have addiction problems. So, you know, she checked in, she checked out. You know, a lot of the stuff, she couldn't see me in prison. But my father, he never missed anything. All the way up to the worst of the worst. And I found out later that my father has been sober since I was two years old. So he understands what I was going through. He's also been through that, that type of uh, environment that I was subjecting myself to that he works hard to keep me out of and I followed that path and it's really, it's crazy when you notice that person. You can notice that person that's really, uh, it doesn't matter what you do. And yes, they're not gonna sit there like a, a monk because my dad's had his explosions through that time, but. He was always right there. And it was, you know, you you can chalk it up that he's my dad, yes, but there's a lot of people in this country, in this world, in fact, that it doesn't matter if you're the father. That's, you know, it's it's said that's the obligation to stick by by your children every second. But I truly believe, and I had conversations with him, that he knew what was happening with me. He just didn't want to miss the opportunity to see me snap out of it. And I'm just throwing this out there, but maybe he also knew that he can't get you sober until you want to be sober. He's already been there. Yeah. He's done it. So he knows this is technically on you. Yeah. yeah you know, we could hold your hand, but you need to want it. Yeah. You got to take that first step. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy to know that sometimes even with our addiction, all the time in addiction, we have no idea what our environment you know, uh, it's, a, it's such a monster. And people say, I don't have a disease. I, that's, I just drink too much. I don't know anything else to call it. The things that I went through and the things that I go through today, 10 years clean, it's got to be some type of disease on my thinking patterns and the things that I have to go through to just get through 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I could figure out a way to pick up a bottle or a bag within the next hour if I let myself. You can have it delivered to you. Yeah. I mean, like that did puff. make me mad, though, because they made all the cool stuff after I got... All the cool <laughs> all right. drinks like, and everything. Yes. You know, not the fentanyl. No, not fentanyl. That was like, nah. Well, I'm like, they already have carn like, and coke mix. That's like Tide Pods. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I'm not cool taking drinks. fentanyl. I'm just not. I mean, if it's going to kill me, no, okay, I'm good. It's like, it's like drinking drink. Can I I'm sleep not, on it? No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, if I can drink a million pounds of it and do a million, like, that's why I love meth. I could sell a pound and do a pound mm-hmm. and not miss anything. Not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> He's like, questions, questions, anybody? 
<laughs> I could walk to Vegas. <laughs> I could walk to Vegas and drink all the beer on the way. <laughs> so, okay. Spe- speaking of Vegas, Tomas takes a lot of trips to Vegas. S- Sin City, right? Drugs, alcohol. Strippers and strippers, cocaine. Strippers, cocaine, all of it. He's there. He's there every week to every other week for work. For work to mm-hmm. spread uh, recovery and to help people find their pathway. Um, so you put yourself right in the mix of all the things that are temptation mm-hmm. and, and bad for you. And I know you have your ways of, of coping with that to make sure that yeah. you're not swayed. Danae, what do you do? Do you avoid bars, clubs, barbecue, you know, family barbecue full of alcohol? Or have you gotten to a point now where it can be around you and not affect you? Um, I've gotten to the point now to where it doesn't affect me, but I also think that I'm an overthinker. And so I uh, like, you know, I'm just like, you know, obviously any addict is like, maybe, you know, maybe just one or maybe, you know, I've gone this long. Maybe it won't hurt. But I'm also like, no, like when I drink, it leads to this, it leads to that. You know, one thing leads to another. And I'm just like, it's not worth it. (laughs) Like I already play the whole night out in my head and I'm like, no. You have to, right? Yeah. You have to. No, I'm good. (laughs) Like sometimes my wife was like, you take stuff too far all the way around the corner, around the block. This is then I go, I got to. Yeah, you have to touch all your bases. No choice. No choice. I have to make the whole scenario out. And you could think I'm crazy as hell and I'm completely wrong. But I'm cool with being wrong on this one because it's going to stop me from doing whatever. Yeah. You know, I've made the whole scene out and it's completely fictitious. But in my mind, that's what will happen if I do the next step in the wrong direction. To them, it's elaborate. But to us, it's like, no, it's it's really like my thought process. Like, (laughs) it's really what I'm thinking about. Like, And this is sober, you know, so I'm like, imagine if I was really drinking or, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, no, if I, if I'm already thinking this sober, I don't want to, I don't want it to take me that to that place drunk because yeah. then it's only going to be 10 times worse and come out or come off totally different wrong, like totally wrong than what I'm meaning for it to come out. And like I said, I'm a very private person and I don't like showing like emotions or weakness. And so when I would drink, I think like like everything would turn into anger rather than like, I'm not one of those crybaby drunks. It was just more of like a F it. Like I don't care about anything type of thing. And that's not me. So definitely don't like the person it brought out of me. And so I do, you know, like he said, have to re you know, have to play out every scenario and anything that it can lead to. And I'm just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> well, I mean, the way you, you went about finding your pathway to your recovery <clears throat> You had to, you had to shake a lot of people off. Like your circle was a circle of, of indulgence, and those yeah. are the kind of people that were around you, you know. And, and I'm sure some of those people are still, you know, on the edge, following you on social media and so on. Yeah, they. Um, a lot of them were following me on. And like I said, you know, I my house was always like the party house. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always like the hangout place, and it was just like, well, if nobody's down to drink, Danae is. And so um, I did have to separate myself from a lot of people and a lot of places. I actually used to live like in Denver and I moved to Thornton because in T-town. Denver, in T-Town, because in Denver is like my dad and, you know, his family and all like my aunties and stuff. People I used to drink with, people I used to party with. And I knew if I moved closer to my mom, it'd be a little harder to, you know. To just be drunk in the in in the hood, you know, of T Town. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it was e- easier just to kind of. At the time, it was like, oh my gosh, like why would I move closer to my mom? But I knew it was like, what I had to do. As far as my kids, everything else, it was just better for all of us. What's your uh, sobriety day? May twelfth, twenty twenty. May twelfth. It just passed. It did. It just passed your three years. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. On the fourteenth. For me? Mm-hmm. Nice. 14, May 14, 2013. You just hit 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I'm still all messed up, y'all. <laughs> we're we're firmly mind. aware how messed up you I are, Thomas. We're all firmly aware. <laughs> how does three years feel? It feels good. I definitely am proud of myself. I'm, um, you know, I'm like people are all, you're always like, you know, like you said, you know, maybe you can have a drink here and there or try to give me like O'Doul's or Heineken. I'm like, I'm not going to take in the same amount of calories 
not to get drunk. <laughs> so, like, at least when I was fat, I was drunk, but I'm not going to get fat to not get drunk. So, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it feels good. It's definitely, like you said, it's an everyday struggle. It's just one of those things where it's sunny outside and you're just like, oh, a red beer sounds good or, you know, but I know it's not worth it. And I know it's not something that I want to do. I'm a huge, um, I'm a huge Yankees fan. So when like we, I always think of it as like baseball, like when we're on, like when we have like a winning streak, I'm like the happiest person in the world. And that one loss can just mess up everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that one drink obviously is just going to mess up everything. So I'm like, I've got, I've come too far. Like my, my OCD won't allow it. (laughs) I'm like, no. (laughs) So, but yeah. Our guest today is Danae Garcia from Thornton. T-Town. (laughs) T-Town. Um, if there's any negatives that we get from this today, it's T-Town. That would be the one negative. <laughs> that would be the one negative wow. is the people of Thornton are very offended by the word T-Town. Um, we probably had a few people turn us off just because. Did you say T-Town? T-Town. <laughs> it's going to be like the top Googled word right yeah. now. People are like, never heard that one before and never want to again. <laughs> Uh, Danae, if there's somebody listening and they're suffering in their addiction, think of yourself back in the day. What would you tell yourself? What will you tell them? Just, it's going to get better. You just have to love yourself, trust yourself, and believe that you do deserve that second chance. And just know that not everybody is blessed with a second chance. And if, you know, you get that, just take advantage of it. And just know that you deserve it just to love yourself and just give yourself a chance and life isn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now you spoke about how, when you first got sober, you really didn't look to anybody else for accountability. The accountability was all on yourself, but now you share on social media. uh, You let people know how far along you are. You spread some hope out there to people. How much does that help you now? Whereas before it didn't matter, but now sharing, does it, does it feel like it helps you? It does, definitely, because I know, like I said, you know, I've been there, I've done that, and at the time I felt like nobody understood what I was going through, and so, like, when people do feel comfortable enough talking to me, it makes me happy to, to know, like, to know that whatever I'm saying, whatever I'm doing, or whatever I'm putting out there does make people feel comfortable enough to be like, hey, she's not going to judge me, she's not going to, you know, like, she understands, and mm-hmm. so people that I've never even met, like, have messaged me and been like, you know, like, I'm proud of you, like, I, I watch your story, and I'm just like, I've didn't even know you're my friend, but you know, and so like, it feels good to be, you know, like I'm not saying I'm not doing it for any, for nothing because I know why I'm doing it. But I also know that, you know, I, I have people that are, are battling with it or that are struggling with it and that they may not speak on it, but they see some sort of hope mm-hmm. and they see some sort of like light at the end of the tunnel because they're like, if this broad can do it, like <laughs> I could do it, you know? And so I, I, I love you for sharing. Thank like <laughs> it, it means the world to me because uh, I know when I first got sober, I swore that I was like the only person doing it. Like that's how it felt. Yeah. You know, like, oh, everybody else I know just drinks and parties all the time and I'm getting sober here. Yeah. And then suddenly it went from like, I'm the only person I know sober on Facebook to suddenly I saw everybody. And it's not everybody, but so many people that I knew and I was like, I'm not alone. And so when yeah. I see posts from like yourself, I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. You yeah. know, like I, I went from, this is for today was the first day we ever actually met. Yes. But I've known you for a few years on social media. But I always was like, man, that's that's my homegirl. That's yeah, that's 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 my friend right there. And it was talked. all about recovery. Mm-hmm. And, and and watching you do this was always just uplifting for myself too. Well, I think I reached out to you when I was still drinking. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to you and I was like, how do I like how do you do it? Like how did you get sober? And that's kind of how we started talking. You were just, you know, obviously there for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, do I remember. it. <laughs> I'm like, do I remember. <laughs> take those first steps, you know. Don't talk about it. Be about it. <laughs> That's, it's, it's a fact, you know. But you, you need support, you know, in yeah. some way, whether it's your mom. You know, there, I always feel you need some kind of support. Like I, I've leaned on the entire state. As far as I, as I could, you know, I was like, everybody's yeah. going to know and, and hold me responsible. Uh, I met wonderful people like Tomas and Nani and um, Tomas is 
just like he's helped hundreds and hundreds of people in this city, he's an important part of my recovery because he like reinforced that I was doing that I was doing this for the right reason. Yeah. You know, and and has introduced me to so many other people in recovery. And the more people that I meet in recovery, the more that I'm uplifted and believe, yes, you know, I'm doing this and, and I see other people do it, too. Yeah. You know, and I'm proud of all the people around me in their recovery and their sobriety. It's a, it's an amazing thing. Definitely is. So I want to thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tomas. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I I do appreciate you coming on the microphone, Tomas, because this, uh, (laughs) yeah, for some reason our, our live went off. I got to look at that. Why it happened. We might've just got disconnected, but we're still on the air this morning. (laughs) Hope everybody's doing well, but yes, I do appreciate you coming on. It was a, I did not know who the guest was until about two hours ago, and I was really, really happy to know that you were coming. I would have really promoted it huge if I would have known. <laughs> um, yeah, just I, I don't know. You're from, you're from the beginning of, of my journey. Um, like I said, the Medina family are very, very dear to my heart, and you are our family. And I'm so, so proud of you, all the things that you've done. Thank you. Congratulations. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I thank you for, for sharing this message. There's a lot of women out there that need to know that they can recover. I don't think that women, that their stories are told often enough um, and that the spotlight needs to be put on women. Women go through so many different things and deal with so many things, especially a single mom. And it's so easy to get trapped in addiction and to share that with with other moms and, and women and Hispanic women, minority women, and, and let them know that, hey, I did it. You can do it. I thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm raising two girls and, you know, it's definitely um, one of those things that you've just gone from generation to generation. And, you know, I feel like obviously if somebody didn't break that chain, I'm not going to let it get to my kids. Mm-hmm. And so. And to, if they ever struggle in any way, you're the perfect person to help them through that struggle. Yes. You know, to understand and, and support them and, and give them that somebody to look up to and go, yeah, I want to do this. My mom did it and I need to do this, too. You yeah. Know, hopefully it never happens. Or hopefully but, they just, I mean, yeah. you know, I pray to God they don't hate me for it, but hopefully they saw how much I struggled and they are just like, I hated the mom that I had at one point in time and I'm not going to be that person. And mm-hmm. alcohol does it to you. And I hope if that's what they got out of it, then so be it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, hopefully they got something out of it. They definitely got their mom back. <laughs> Round of applause for Danae. Thank yeah. you. And yes, kids, you got your mama back. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Nani? Yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. I just think, I think it goes to show that there's lots of different ways to recover. And, you know, you are a very powerful woman in recovery. And thank you so much for everything that you do for everybody out there. I appreciate you. Thank you. And congratulations on five years. Thank you. Of course. High fives. Yes. High fives. Yes, yes. So Tomas's high right? five was the latest <laughs> high five. Yeah. I'm in recovery. I don't get high. <laughs> what? His high five was as whack as it could get. There was love in this room, and Tomas was like, eh, eh, <laughs> limp wrist in the air. <laughs> Danae, thank you so much Burned for being my here. Hand with holy water. <laughs> T Town, stand up. Yes. I would, but I'm taller sitting down. (laughs) (laughs) Mahai, this is sharing our stories. We're on your radio on Jammin' 101.5 and Flow 107.1 every weekend. You can also follow us on social media, facebook.com slash SOS, sharing our stories. Look up Tomas Hernandez, T-H-O-M-A-S Hernandez on Facebook. When you see a dude just covered in tattoos, that's Tomas. And add him if you want to, if you, if you, need recovery and you want to call somebody today call tribe recovery homes if they can't help you they're going to put you uh with somebody you can but as tomas said at the beginning he's got 18 beds right now uh, available so those are available for men available for women and he can help you tomas and his folks nani the whole team they can help you uh he's got a great team so reach out to them 720-60-TRIBE 720-60-TRIBE give them a call and they are here for you um if you're watching us on facebook on tomas's facebook page share this program please and uh join us every sunday right here 
for sharing our stories as we spread stories of addiction, but most importantly, stories of recovery. So thank you so much. Uh, Live from the 5280 Podcast Studios brought to you by the Merge Media Academy. This has been Sharing Our Stories with Danae Garcia from (laughs) T-Town, from Thornton. Thank you so much for being here with us.